Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen here. Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, here it is. Uh, it's summer. Smoke's back in California. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Anyway, we're here to talk about financial matters. Both myself and my co-host here, we're both financial advisors. Um, been doing this roughly three decades, practicing advisors, uh, and we do this podcast and this radio program on a weekly basis to be your financial advisors on the air and help you make wise choices with your dollars. Markets always go through cycles. Life goes through se- seasons and cycles. Yes. And um, it's, it's, I was listening, uh, for whatever reason, this uh, this past weekend, I spent some. I was listening to some other financial talk shows, which I almost never do. Okay. And one kept talking about the written financial plan, and I started thinking, what does that mean, written anymore? Because, well, it's it's out of date as soon as it's done. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, if someone hands me printed stuff anymore, it's like, can you just email this to me so I've got a document somewhere okay. to go look upon? Like, do I really want something printed out? But it started me. I was thinking more about <clears throat> the financial planning process. And to your point, as soon as it's 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 printed, it's out of date. As soon as it's written, it's out of date because things are so dynamic. Um, markets are dynamic. Our lives are dynamic. In the financial a financial plan. Well, at Allworth, we like to talk about financial guidance because it's the planning and the guidance that goes along with that planning as circumstances change, whether it's whether it's external, the markets, or it's internal, something in your own personal lives. But we start with written financial plans, but in, in it's in well, we use software programs to help us come then, up with financial plans, and then a, and then a client can ask, "What if?" What ifs? Yeah, of course. And as things change, you just continue to update it. Yes. Um, but but he, I started thinking, I remember years ago, I, like IDS, the company, the IDS, when I, I graduated in college in 1990, um, and IDS was a big financial planning firm. They were later purchased by American Express, and then the, I think it's now, and then they become split Ameriprise. It, Ameriprise. Back in the day, it was always these big three-ring thick binders that they would, this big thick printed financial plan. And um, I just think things have things have evolved and changed, and it's not quite the. What else did you learn from these uh, listening to financial planning uh, podcast over the weekend? Uh, there's there's some just sales. They're just salespeople. Oh. They're just trying to sell life insurance and annuities. It's obvious. Yes, yes, um, yes. They try to scare people. Yes, yeah. Quite a few are that way, and they're pay. Most of them are pay to play, and they don't actually talk about. Oftentimes they don't talk about the cost associated with life insurance and uh, and or annuities. They're free. <laughs> yeah, everything's free from listening to. The, you know, I don't. I, and I, I don't know how some of those shows are. But it, it is. I mean, the markets are in turmoil. The political environment seems to be in turmoil. The new variant of the Corona, COVID, whatever you want to call it. Seems to have not so much in the U.S. I it spooked uh, the political class, but in other parts of the world, they're starting to lock down again. China, yes, what, it's amazing. It is absolutely That's a amazing. Battle, if you ask me, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it's it's. it's but whatever we're going through, this too shall. It's funny, Pat. The, uh, this past week, I I we have at Allworth. Allworth, we've got like 350 employees, something like that. We've got about a, almost 100 advisors, something along those lines. And there's a mentor program that we've got. It's an annual mentorship, and you typically meet with somebody once or once a month or every other month. And so I, I meet with uh, uh, one of our advisors on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. and I had a call with her this last week, and it was really interesting. Um, she says she said she said it seems like so many of our clients are, and she's in the Bay Area, which is are really concerned about the future. They're concerned about climate change and this. The the we can never stop it, and it's going to destroy our lives. And they're concerned about the, the political environment's never been so harsh as it is right now. And and we had this conversation, and I said, "Do you really think? Do you really think life is this much difficult? That much difficult? More different today than it's ever been in human history?" I said, "Think about if you were in." 
Europe in the late 1930s. Yes. I mean, the things to be concerned about today are not. Yeah. Not nearly as bad as. I mean, Think about the political environment going into the Civil War. Right? I mean. It wasn't nation- that many years ago that there's a good chance your one of your kids wouldn't make it to adulthood. Two-fifths or whatnot died yeah. before age 18, right? I mean. Yeah. So in many, it, 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 I think it's just a mindset. And what it can end up happening in times like this, it's the same thing with the financial markets as it is with these external things. And if you want to focus on how bad things are and how bad they're going to get, and you start reading, it's not hard to find uh, articles that are going to support whatever whatever premise belief that you've got, right? You can, If you want to believe that this is the worst financial market ever, you're going to find people that are going to say, oh, the Dow's going to 1,000, here's why, or whatever, right? You can... Or you can have a good financial plan. Well-diversified portfolio. Knowing that markets are going to go through their cycles. And when we're in times like this, you can say, you know what? I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to move on with my life. And I'm going to enjoy what life's really about, about my relationships. Yeah. It's, um, this too shall pass. I was thinking on the way in today to the studio, how many times have I been through this, um, Downturns in the financial markets? Yes, in the 30 years. Is it four or five? Well, there's been a lot. I mean, uh, little we, both short started, ones. we both started around, I think you were 89, I was 1990. Yeah, the there's been short ones, then there have been longer ones. Yeah, there's been plenty of bear markets, 20%. And there's been a couple really nasty ones yeah. and long ones. But I do, I was thinking about the cryptos. I, I can't help myself. I, I can't help myself but think about the cryptos. Because when... The last Super Bowl, when they had all the ads on for the cryptos, I thought, yeah, this is vaguely that's, that's familiar the of the dot-com. <laughs> Again, this is vaguely. And all these exchanges going under and then um, anyway. But we're going to take your calls. If you'd yeah. like to join our show, if you have financial questions for us, we'd love to take your calls. Love's a strong word. We'd like to take your calls. <laughs> We do enjoy doing this. We enjoy doing it, but love is a strong word. It is. Um, I try not to use. We use the it word all love. the time. I love. I love ice cream. I don't say that. I love the new pair of shoes. I, I did not. I me. love it when I get my hair cut. I, I try never to say love always or never. <laughs> Just they're too absolute. <laughs> what do you say, Kathy? I really like you. Well, no, my wife, I can say I love you and I love my kids. I did say it to my brother the other day because he's going through some life issues. Um, but that's you said about what? it. You love your brother? Yeah. Only because he's going through life issues. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the first time you've ever told him? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to take it easy on the words love How always in there. like a, your, your parents' funeral. You'd say you love your to your brothers then? Nah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's funny. Every family's different. Now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're trying to be pretty reserved with the affection. <laughs> you don't want people to think you like them too much. No, no. You wouldn't want to confuse people like that. Yeah, so <clears throat> anyway, we'd like to take your your calls. Yes. And so if you'd like to join the show, 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. Yeah, and podcast listeners can also call the show, uh, 833-999-6784. And that number works 24-7. And you can also um, email us a question at questions at moneymatters.com. So this came right from the marketing department. Scott, I'm going to scratch this. What? It says, we'd love to hear from you and possibly have you be part of an upcoming show. Scratch scratch the word love. We might like. (laughs) And say, it's probable that we would enjoy it. All right. Well, let's, why don't we take a call? Let's uh, start off here with Mick. Mick, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Thanks for having me. I love being on your show. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And we love you, Mick. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Mick, we'll never meet. <laughs> you never know. I live in uh, Davis, near Sacramento. Okay. Um, and uh, so we may, we might meet someplace. You never know, right? <laughs> um, so I had a question about bonds. Um, I, I'm used to this up and down and up and down. I'm 65 years old, and so is my wife. And we've been investing for a long time. So I like doing something when the stock market goes down. And usually what I do is rebalance. <laughs> Just, just do something, right? Right. And this is the this is the first time 
that when I went to rebalance, the bonds went down significantly. Yes. Where usually it's like, you know, the bonds were up 1% or 2% and the stocks went down. So I could sell some bonds and go ahead and um, uh, buy some stock at the bottom. Yeah, but when everything's uh, but down, that, uh, the rebalance doesn't make much sense. Yeah, well, but, but of course, the stocks are down a lot more than the, the bonds. That's right. <laughs> so it's, it still makes sense. But then the question for me is, um, I'm only in 401ks because I still have some non-deductible IRAs that someday I want to turn into a Roth, so I don't want to get into that crazy stuff with uh, when you make a conversion and you have IRAs. Um, but that means I'm pretty limited in the funds I'm allowed to use. And all the bond funds were not great. I'll put it that way. Um, and uh, Yeah, you your 401k, you, so your employer's 401k, What? Um, how many bond fund options do you have? In, in my wife's and in mine, we're about three. Um, do you and, and do and either usually, do either plan allow for what's called a self-directed brokerage option? About half 401ks allow that. You know, I, I think they do, but we just never used it because I always thought of that as to buy individual stock. Oh no! And, um, uh, I mean, <laughs> so, so I usually just buy index funds for the stock market, and you know, buy bonds. Whatever they have that's available. I, I, I did listen to you guys, and you talked about duration. Uh, so I was looking for low-duration bond funds since 2008. But, I, I you know, the lowest-duration bond funds were um, really just putting the money in cash because it was usually like a U.S. government. Um, well, how long ago? US- how long ago were you, were you looking at this? Oh, I um, – so since January, when the market went okay. down, so, I balance, rebalanced then, and I rebalanced again in March, and then I rebalanced. So like every three months. So, so the problem is, is that you don't have a big enough menu to choose from. Yes. Right. <clears throat> Which, well, but there's a, there's a solution. There's a, there's a really okay. easy solution, right? Okay. I mean, we could fix a lot of problems in a hurry here. One is, you know, the longer you wait to, to defer those uh, non-deductible into a Roth IRA, the worse it is for you. Right, you're you're losing a lot of the benefit of the tax deferral on those. So the good, the good news is I put them all in bonds. <laughs> uh, okay, so but here's so step back one of your non-deductible IRAs. How much how much taxable gain do you have in there if you were to do a conversion? It would be the um, deductible because you've got deductible and non-deductible IRAs, correct? Right. So we have about $100,000 in non-deductible IRAs for both of us, but we have no IRAs. Okay, so and what's your cost just, basis in those? So my cost basis is about 50000 and the um, gain over time is another 50000 yeah. I've had these for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was slowly converting them until my wife was able to make a lot of money. And so it was like, we'll hold off until she stops making that high income, and then we'll um, – We'll go back to doing it again. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. You sold us. Okay. So all you need to do for your 401k is just use the brokerage window, which is a a self-directed brokerage account. And then the menu of what you can choose from is, is almost unlimited. And then what do I choose if I had an unlimited? I mean, especially in terms of this concept of duration. I I looked up what duration is and it drew, it drew my mind crazy. It's like a, uh, Weighted cost average of a net present. Well, here's why, and it, it, so look, it, it's interesting. It's, it's most people don't do not understand bonds. Most people don't understand stocks for that matter either. But they have a better understanding. And a bond, a bond is nothing more than a loan, right? So if you buy a bond from the U.S. government, you're loaning the government money. If you buy a bond from a corporation, you're loaning that corporation money. And companies have to pay back their debts before their owners get any money, right? Basically. So right. that's why they're less risk when you own a bond. And bonds typically pay interest twice a year, and they have a maturity date. So if someone buys a bond, uh, let's say they put $100,000 in for a 10-year bond, they get interest every six months, and then at the end of that 10-year, they get the, the principal back, $100,000 back. So when you, when you mentioned duration... What ends up happening is because you get interest, the duration the duration's shorter than 10 years because you receive some interest along the way. The higher the interest rate, the shorter the duration could actually be with, with, with that bond. The maturity date still stays the same. 
So that's why sometimes you can have a you can have a bond fund that's got a pretty short duration, and you're looking at it, you're like, why is this got a long term bond? How do we have a shorter duration with this with this sort of thing? So it can get a tad uh, complex. But really, there's there's a variety of different types of bonds out there, and there's some that that float. The interest rate floats just like an adjustable rate mortgage would be. Um, uh, a lot of companies borrow uh, when they borrow in the marketplace. They use they use an underlying index uh, yeah. and then a percentage on top of that. Um, so you can have a portion of your portfolio that is in but in floating in, rate. In, if you if you go into that self directed brokerage window, then you're not just playing off the small menu that your four hundred one k or four fifty seven or four hundred three b actually has. You're actually at a much larger window, and then I would actually keep it relatively short. I think under three, five years, maybe, Scott? Probably. Okay. So the funny thing about the bond market is we all think we know where interest rates are going. Most people say, I have no idea where the stock market's going. I've given up on trying to time the market. We all somewhat somehow believe that we know where interest rates are going. That's a good point. <laughs> so <laughs> right now, the Fed said they're going to continue to raise rates until inflation comes down. Long-term rates have not changed much at all. So which, but which is, so we've got we have, a flat a, yield curve. Yes, and if we have a declining, let's say we actually slip into a recession, you could see long-term interest rates decline even while the Feds are increasing short-term rates. In which case, you'd want actually a long bond. Which you'd want a long bond. But then you're taking on risk, and how much risk do you want to take with that? And how much excess gain are you getting for the risk that you're taking? So just keep What I learned is I I have the money in the bond fund to not take on additional risk, but to be there— Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So like (laughs) our our firm and I imagine most firms like ours, um, we've got almost 20,000 clients that we manage money for. Like our our, the majority of our equity exposure is in index products, but the majority of our fixed income are in actively managed because the bond market is much more complex than the stock market, my opinion. Yeah. So I I think all my 401k uh, bond funds are actively managed. Uh, because I don't think I even have a, an option. In the, in, Which in isn't unusual. So, I mean, the bottom line, really, Mick, if 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 it sounds like you enjoy managing these dollars yourself, you're going to need to take some more time and educate yourself more on that fixed income side or hire someone to help you with that because um, it there's a lot of moving parts there, and it's not as – particularly when you've got limited options. But in saying all of that, Scott – if he doesn't have a self-directed brokerage window, he is 65, so you can move that money out of the 401k into an IRA. Yes, but that precludes him from doing converting the non-deductible. Uh, th- that's what was going to go there with that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so that's the that's the, the rub he's got again. So appreciate the call there, Mick. Let's talk to Cheryl in Virginia. Cheryl, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Um, I have, actually, my question is twofold. Um, I retired from the federal government in 2012. I'm almost 68 years old. I have a 401k TSP with the federal government. Due to the stock market falling, uh, I have very little left. What I'm hearing is that the U.S. will soon fall under a new financial management system called the Quantum Financial Management System, or QFS. I'm also hearing... Excuse me, that those who have 401ks should move their 401k into precious metals because if the stock market completely crashes, people with 401ks could lose all their money. Should I invest my money in precious metals or roll over my 401k into a conventional IRA? My other question is, I've also heard that if the stock market does crash, it, it will come back, but in a different form. If the stock market crashes and it comes back in a different form, will my 401k amount still be there? So your 401k, you say you lost most, there's very little left. How, how much was there to start with? It, let's just say January 1 of this year, how much okay. was in the 401k? Uh, I would say maybe about 80000 And how much is there today? Seventy-seven. And you said you lost most of. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was a very conservative investor. Um, so when I retired, there wasn't, you know, there was maybe like 120000 in there. Did you spend um, any of it? But 
Well, I, I did. I, I took some out to fix things in the house. Okay. So um, um, here, but, uh, here's what I'm confused by, Cheryl. You said you lost okay. most of it. You yeah. you spent most of it. You didn't – you spent quite a bit of it. You didn't lose it. Yes. So at the beginning okay. of this year, you had $88,000 or $80,000 uh-huh. in January 1. And today you have $77,000. So we're talking yeah. about a price reduction of somewhere around – Five, six percent. Yeah, you know what? I think there was more in there at, at the time. I don't recall. Okay. So, um, but you didn't lose most of it, Cheryl. How how much is your pension per month? Um, it's about. Uh, well, you mean uh, gross or? Yeah, gross. Um, net. It's, it's about five k a month. And are you receiving Social Security as well? Yes. And how much is that? Uh, that's about, uh, let's see, gross is about 1500 And how much money do you have in the bank? Not much. Not, um, I would say nothing. Okay. So you've got 60, see, I, you're, you're, I mean, you're in the, you couldn't be in a much more secure retirement position when the income you've got coming in is guaranteed by the same people who print the dollars. And you've right. got cost of living adjustments on these. Right. Social Security and your pension. So your question was, and I know nothing of this quantum financial management system. Never heard of it. Okay. Um, it sounds like a- Someone's trying to sell you precious metals. Someone's trying to sell you precious metals. It's like, I'm going to create a story that will scare people into buying precious metals. And scared Cheryl. And it seems to have worked. And if the stock market declines, it will come back in other form or fashion. I don't know what that means. Um unless uh, we do away with capitalism as it exists today in capital formation, as we have known it for hundreds of years, not only in the U S but all over the world. Um, I, I, I don't understand what would happen to that unless we socialize the government and the corporations around and, it. I mean, this, and, and people, we talk about like the stock market, like it's just this thing out there. I, I mean, Think of it more as the, you're, you're, when you own stocks, for example, if you own the, an S&P 500 fund, which you, I'm, undoubtedly you do in the TSP plan here, you are an owner of the, some of the f- largest companies in the U.S., the 500 largest companies, essentially the 500 largest companies in the United States. They would all need to go bankrupt before you lost all your money. Chevron would have to be out of business. Microsoft would have to be out of business. Apple would have to be out of business. Target. Google or Meta. On and on and on. Yes. So I, I, I they don't think, have to be broke. I think the worst thing you could do is react to whatever you're reading or watching. Um, make sure that your portfolio is, in your situation, if you were sitting in my office, based upon the short conversation we've had so far, I'd probably have 50% in stocks and 50% in bonds and cash. And I would try not to take any income from it. Until you're 72, in which case you're required to take it. You should be able to live right. fairly comfortable on the $6,500 a month that you've got coming in, assuming that you don't have a huge, huge mortgage payment. Do you have a huge mortgage well, payment? Well, my mortgage payment is really 1100 a month, but I'm paying an extra 300 a month to pay it well, off. Well, quit doing that. Why are you trying to pay it off? Uh, well, I, I have a brother that's a lot younger than me, and I want to make sure that when I'm gone, he has a house free and clear. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. You gotta, there you go. But don't do anything with your portfolio. Don't invest okay. in precious metals. Precious metals, not. they don't produce anything. This quantum financial management, whatever you're talking about, it's all garbage. Just flat out okay. garbage. Someone has created a okay. story in order to sell you something. And Cheryl, okay. the, the markets go through cycles. They have, I mean, if you think back in your own life, they've gone through lots of cycles, right? right? And they, right. They, they always end. The recessions always end and followed by another growth. Stock market declines always end and followed by another uh, bull market after that. When I started in the industry in 1990, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was roughly 2,600. That was the index, 2,600. Today... Roughly thirty-one thousand. So now, during that time, there's been some big pullbacks, 
Yeah, the financial crisis fell over 50%. The dot-com thing fell about 50%. So we've had some nasty downturns, but they've always been temporary. And they've always been followed by new highs. And so we can either get caught up in the midst of what the current turmoil is, I think as we spoke at the beginning of the program here, Pat, or we can pull back and say, this is temporary. Let's make sure we, let's make sure we own the right things. That's really important. Make sure we got the right kind of diversification. And then realize that these market cycles will come to an end and be followed by some robust cycle again in the future. And that's, anyway, we got to take a quick break. Um, again, we would love to take your call, like to take your call. 833-99-WORTH. This is All Worth's Money Matters. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Um, hey, before we go back to the calls, when markets go through um, downturns, like in the last call, someone's been pitching her this precious metals, right? Like, stock market's going to fall, so put your money here. But we're also seeing um, the sales of annuities are increasing. Yes. <laughs> so we're um, And, oh, the market's going to crash. Well, you can't afford to live through this crash. You better take your money and put it in this annuity. Buy this equity index annuity or buy this variable annuity or buy this other sort of annuity. And I, I've often said that the world would be a better place if annuities were never created. That's not to state that there's not a, ever a place for them or hasn't been a place for them. Or that it, there aren't some good ones out there. They are just so misused in the industry and sold by people that aren't um, securities licensed oftentimes. They're sold by people that don't really have much of an education in the financial markets. Um, and that's why I've stated that the world would be a better place without them. Having said that, particularly some of these older ones. My, my mother owns an annuity. In the in the dot com downturn, she was panicking. She wanted me to reduce her stock exposure. I didn't want her to reduce her stock exposure. So back then, there were some variable annuities that enabled to con for her to maintain her same stock exposure, uh, still be able to rebalance as she saw fit or we saw fit, not necessarily the insurance company. Very flexible. And guaranteed her a, a great deal of protection on the downside. And relatively low cost at, at that time. At that time. And the rates were much higher. As a matter of fact, and I, we, we had talked with the chief actuary of that insurance company, and we didn't believe they priced it correctly. And so we thought it was like, really? You're going to offer this? The house is on fire. You're going to offer this insurance for $5? Great. We'll buy the insurance, right? That's kind of what it felt like. And so much so that the insurance company have been trying to buy their way out of these contracts. Every year they send my mom a, a letter saying, hey, would you like to surrender your annuity contract? If so, we're going to give you not only what it's worth today, but here's an extra whatever on top of it, an extra 10 or 15 or 20 percent uh, on top of it. Those were clearly good annuities when the insurance company is trying to buy their way out, right, back in those days. So there are times when annuities uh, have made some sense. The challenge today uh, is a number of things. One, we're in a very low interest rate environment. So when you put money in annuity, you're, you're kind of locking in what the rates are today. Secondly, they're, they can be very complex. And if you're working with somebody who's just trying to sell you an annuity. Uh, There's probably not enough alternatives. Yeah. And some given. of them have these long surrender charges. Yeah. I've seen them for a long, long time. Yeah. Particularly these equity index annuities, which I'd never been a fan of at all. I would not uh, purchase one. So in saying all that. If you want to understand more about annuities, particularly if someone's trying to sell you an annuity or trying to understand how they work, uh, we have a guide. Uh, it's a new, an annuity guide, so you can have a better understanding. All you got to go is go to allworthfinancial.com slash guides, allworthfinancial.com forward slash guides, and it'll get you your guide on annuity. And I've, I, they are so infrequently used um, at Allworth. Some people who, who've used them years ago when they were better products back then still own them, but um, the ones today are not the ones of 10, 15, 20 years ago. No. So 
Anyway, there you go if you want some more information on that. Let's uh, head back to calls here. We are in uh, Tennessee talking with John. John, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you doing, John? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Got a question about a— Now, you, uh, you're in Tennessee. Are you in Nashville? Just outside Nashville, Franklin, I, just south of I, Nashville. I tell you what, I have more friends that have moved to Tennessee from the state too. of California. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are doing there. Um, well, Franklin's Franklin's like, nice, nice part of town. I was there the first time in, in the midst of early, in May of 2020 for a wedding that was going to be a big wedding, got reduced to a small handful. And um, we flew there and no one was flying. It was a member's whole freaky thing. But fr- I went to Franklin the first time. I felt like I was in some um, uh, Napa Valley town or something. It had this nice quaint feel to it. It was perfect weather. It was in May. And it was like COVID didn't exist. It, it, I came that, from California where you had to wear a hazmat suit to walk the dog. And you go into Franklin. It was like, come yeah. on in. No one's wearing masks. And it's the end of the Natchez Trace Trail, correct? That's right. That's beautiful um, area. And there have been lots of houses in my neighborhood that are now in the hands of uh, former California. Yeah. So and I've never that. seen in the downtown had more cranes per per building than I in think. Nashville. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I couldn't. I, I couldn't believe how many cranes there were relative to how many high rises there. Hardly there were hardly any high rises, and there was tons of cranes building new ones. But that's not what you yeah. called for, John. We didn't call it a reminisce why the the great exodus from the state. Unless of California. he's thinking about selling his house in Franklin and moving somewhere else. But anyway, but, go ahead. Uh, by the way, Scott. <laughs> aside, the, the state of California came out and said that because of the high insulin prices, they're going to start manufacturing insulin. The state of California is. I thought, what could go wrong? They have done so well with everything else. (laughs) I'm sorry, John. You you had a question for us. Well, all that's way more uh, interesting than what I called about. I I called about um, a a salary deferral plan, executive salary deferral Ah, plan. All right. To get your your read on this. I've got the opportunity through my employer to participate in one of these at your typical salary deferral plan, which means it comes with some you know, bankruptcy risk and all that there stuff. So it's, a, it's, it's what's with. called a, a, a non-qualified deferred compensation plan, right? Yeah. Well, essentially, exactly. essentially, and I'm just kind of speaking because other listeners might not know what we're talking about. Essentially, the employer says, hey, I tell you what, John, because you're at a high salary, we'll cut a deal with you. We won't pay you all of it today. And instead, we're going to defer some. We'll pay it to you in the future. Um by doing so, it's not like money goes into 401k where it's in a trust. It's it's still a part of the company, and if the company goes bankrupt in the future or can't pay you, then you're out of luck. Yeah, it's held yep. as an asset of the company. So uh, what's your question regarding this? Well, just trying to understand whether I should be taking advantage of this. I should probably preface this by saying I did take advantage of it this year, and now I'm in the enrollment period for next year and thought it might be smart um, to get some advice. So I, I can defer as much or as little of salary and bonus as I want. And this year I ended up pushing about a hundred thousand into that to try to get me um, in, uh, or excuse me, keep me out of anything higher than the 24% um, bracket. There are options when you can, um, you know, when you can take this and the option that I've chosen at least for this year is um, to just take it out over the, whatever, whatever's in there will come out over the course of the 10 years following, following separation of service. So, um, got multiple options there, but that's the one I've chosen. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm 48 planning on probably retiring at 55 and just trying to think through whether this would be a wise move for me to take advantage of over the next and what's, call it seven years. Are you married? Yes. And, uh, you still have kids at home. I've got a 20 year old that's halfway through college and a daughter that's about to start her senior year. Okay, so almost done there. And then what's yep. the senior year in college or senior year in high school? High Sorry, school. senior year in high school. So a little longer there. But college okay. college is college is good. Good five five two nines in place for all that. So should be in good shape. And, and family income. Um, we're probably just north of five hundred thousand. Um and uh, you know, between four hundred one K deferral, salary deferral, HSAs, individual four hundred one K from my wife, I was able this year to sort of move that taxable number down to you know around 340 which is kind of where the 24 percent cutoff is for married filing jointly and how much uh how much money do you have saved for retirement excluding this deferred compensation 
Um, right at $5 million. So about two-thirds of which is in a brokerage account. A third is in retirement plans. Not much of that in Roth, by the way, only about 250000 yeah, in Roth. Yeah. So it's mostly tax-deferred. Yeah. But, but about two-thirds of that's in a uh, brokerage account. And you're using it, you know, so you mentioned your investments in HSA. So you're using almost every available. I was going to ask, are yep. you using every available? Yeah. When you mentioned HSA, you have yep. really utilized every vehicle you could possibly utilize. How much money do you have in the deferred comp right now? You said you put in hundred grand last year. Um, it's actually the, by the end of this year, it will have a hundred grand. So this is the first year that I've taken advantage okay. of. And have they had this plan for a while or is it a newer plan? They have, and I was too dumb to think about using it for the last, you know, seven or eight years. So I'm playing a little catch up How here. big of a company? How many employees? Oh, it's a massive, uh, multi-line okay. health insurance company, 75,000 employees. I mean, that doesn't guarantee anything. I, I understand that, but well, you, the you industry does. Yeah. I mean, if you were an energy um, I would probably or possibly, crypto. or crypto, I would feel differently about <laughs> yeah, it, right. but you're in a, you're in an industry that in some form or fashion will exist. Absolutely. That, that the demand for medical services aren't, it's not going away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't see a, I, don't I would s- take advantage I, of it. I don't see an issue with it at all. Okay. Uh, mostly because as a percentage of your net worth, it's not that high. So we're, we're t- very rarely do you see these um, n- non-qualified deferred compensations end up uh, in the ether uh, in bankruptcy, but it does happen. I mean, yep. I have seen it. It's I rare. might choose if I were in your situation, I would probably choose a shorter payout than ten years. Okay. Um. Yeah, especially if you're going to retire at fifty. Here's where here's where we've seen problems with these. It's uh, when someone passes away. Um, yeah. I, I've never seen anyone have a problem put the money in. It's it's the restrictions. It's not like a four hundred one k when you retire, you can just choose how much money you're going to pull out of it. You got to make these decisions when the money's go in, right? Correct. And so the Correct. challenge I've seen is when people like they come to us and Scott, how do I get my money? Like, there's not much you can do now. Or someone passes away and it's paid out in one year, and how do I defer the taxes? There's not much you can do. Um, so it it takes some thought and planning going in. So if you're planning to retire when you're fifty five. If you think about that gap between age 55 and 60 or 59 and a half. He's got two thirds of his savings is in brokerage too. Yeah. And just in terms of taxable income at 55. So that's all going to come out as taxed. Right. So I would take a five other- year payout. Okay. Okay. I yeah. would too. The, the other thing I was trying to think through is, you know, 55 to 65 gives me a decent, Roth conversion window, obviously, to the extent there's more income here, there's less of that that will make sense to do, and vice versa. So, what wasn't wasn't sure. Yeah, but how it's going to it's going it's going to come as ordinary income. Um, and what do you? So living? he's got seven years of deferral essentially between now. So yes. let's assume he's going to have a million bucks in it or more by the time he retires with some gain in it, right? And then that's you've what, got that's what I was working yep, through. Ten years of that would be a hundred thousand a year. If, if I do it over five, it's two hundred a year. That's so. right. Yep. That's right. That's right. Like two, probably two ten, two twenty. Um, yeah. And so I would just keep. I agree with Scott. You want the shortest payout. I just just the fact that it's not really your asset and it falls down the, as far as creditors. It kind of falls down the line there. Like that's just one of the. That's the thing I don't like about these deferred. I mean, I would if I were okay. in your situation, I'd be taking advantage of it as well. It's like the risk is very minuscule. It's worth the risk, but that it still exists. Um, and even if it blows up, you're going to retire fine either which way. Mm. Correct. So okay. it's, you, it's, you, you're, you'd be crazy not to take advantage of it. Okay. Okay. Very helpful. And my first, bl- based upon what you, what you said, I would probably choose a shorter payout than a longer payout. I think five to 10 is the range or I, not the range. I think I can choose either five or 10. So I'd give I will uh, confirm that, but go with five. Okay. All right. Well, okay. listen, appreciate it. Um, yeah. Appreciate the call. Yeah. And uh, what a great saver. Holy smokes. Well, it does help when you have a high income to save well. You didn't always have high income. And, you know, it's funny. We just see people with all kinds uh, of... Scott, he didn't... uh, That's correct. I'm sure he started at 25. His saving patterns were probably... Uh, I shouldn't have stated that. Absolutely identical. You're correct. Had your savings patterns been any different when you were making money? no money versus today? Mine haven't changed my saving patterns. Oh, yes, they have. 
My spending patterns may have changed, not my savings Your patterns. Your savings patterns. You, you save much more of your income now than you did. Okay. <laughs> right. Come on. I saved as much as I could. The pattern. Yeah. Now you don't... Your income needs aren't that great relative to your income. Plus, that's... Yes. And my kids have now mostly out of the house. Mostly. I'm kind of a mostly, too. <laughs> not quite. Mostly. Uh Anyway, such. Uh, by the way, my son is in the midst of his um, trip riding his bike across the United States. Oh, we talked about that. Yeah. Good for him. Where about is he? About a third of the way through Arkansas. Where did he start? Um, Atlanta. I mean, not Atlanta. Uh, Georgia. Um, They're going east to west. Correct in the south, and it's hotter than Hades. Wow. Good for him. What an adventure. He and a twenty-three-year-old gal. They're the leaders. They have nine teenagers. They're responsible what? for. He'll Every come. day there's a there's a bike bike mechanical issues and it's awesome. I hear these things. He's I gonna come great. back a different. My kid. wife's like, "Why is that funny?" I'm like, "Oh, it's gonna be good. So good for." Him. I know he's <laughs> gonna come back a different kid. Anyway, let's continue on here. Let's talk with Michael. Michael, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, Scott and Pat, thanks for taking my call. Hey, Michael. Um, I've got sort of a two part question for you uh, today. Um, I recently retired, and um, and so I'm just and I'm at my full retirement age. I'm trying to evaluate or determine whether I should delay um, my social security until, uh, you know, for some time until 70, let's say. And then uh, the second part is uh, just um, curious about your views on, on Roth conversion, which I'm working with a financial advisor to, um, to undertake. How, how, go ahead. Scott. How old are you? So I'm 66. So I'm at my full retirement age. Are you single or married? Married. How old is your spouse? And, um, my wife's two years younger. Okay. What's your total net worth? Um, I think I'm right around one point. No, I'm a little bit better than that. I'm probably about uh, just south of, of $2 million. And do you have any pension income at all? I do, yeah. How I, much? I've got about uh, 85000 And how much of this $2 million is in retirement accounts? Uh, about uh, one and a, uh, about one point two of it is in retirement account. And where's the rest in your home? Um, there's some of it in my home, and it's the rest of it are just regular, you know, other accounts. I guess most of retirement accounts is what I would say. Wow. I think. You what do you to... What are you leaning towards? What's your and then. Why? Um, well, I've gotten, I've kind of gotten both ways. I've had I've had some discussions with my financial advisor um, a couple months back, and and saying, hey, when you hit your full retirement age, you probably ought to look to start collecting it. But I was inclined to delay, just because of the built-in sort of eight, roughly eight percent per year uh, for for waiting. Um, but they were kind of uh, um, persuading me that it may be better to go to go sooner rather than later. But then. Most recently, we had a, a, a little bit more detailed meeting and um, looking at some assumptions that, that, that uh, my financial some, advisor provided said, yeah, yeah I think you could, you could delay until 70. Yeah, and, so, and does your wife work? Uh, she does not. And so the only income coming into the house right now is this $85,000 a year? That's right. And what was your salary that's, before that's you retired? That's what it will be going forward. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I missed that question. I was talking over you. I apologize. No, no, no. Don't apologize for anything. What was your uh, What was your salary going forward before? I mean, um, it was It was north of two hundred thousand. And when did you retire? Uh, just at the beginning of the year. I think it's a great time for to do some Roth conversions. Yeah. Okay. Scott, do you? I do too. Okay. Um, so I mean, the one, the one um, thing though, like, what I would be if I were in your shoes, the one question I'd be asking myself. Is uh -huh. I could every every month you defer that that check's going to be eight percent larger, but that's another month that you've gone without receiving that check, right? So yes, yes, sir. There's a net present value you can run and that sort of thing. But the question I'd be asking is like, what's the possibility of uh, there being some sort of reduction of my benefit, considering that my income between my pension and my social security is going to be well north of $100,000. And once your wife's Social Security on there, and then once your required mm -hmm. minimum distributions from your IRAs, you'll be at 140, 160, 150, maybe 160. Uh, yeah. yeah, you'll be up there. 
Mm-hmm. And do you have a normal life expectancy? Do you believe you have a normal life expectancy? Yeah, I mean, the plan that I'm reviewing with our financial advisor kind of has me. I mean, I I made the assumption that I'll live to ninety. Okay, and, so and you're based upon the. You're not. Ahead, I'm sorry. You're not smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and drinking a fifth of whiskey. Not yet. Depends <laughs> on this call, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the the challenge. So you can run the numbers. It's all based on assumptions. And if you yes, if you yes. assume 100% that the Social Security is not going to uh, change at all for you, then you would probably mm-hmm. make the come to the conclusion that you're better off deferring and doing some Roth conversions. Um, mm-hmm. If I were in your situation, I'm not 100% sure I would do that or not. I would run the numbers, but... But you can split the difference because he's 66. Yes. And Social Security Roth is conversion 70 this year. for next year and then start Social yeah. Security at... 70, 68. Yeah, 68, 69. Yeah, so th- that's kind of what I was w- wondering about as well. So is there any value in delaying uh, taking Social Security once my wife reaches her full retirement age so that there's no... Uh, well, she could take hers and defer a spousal well, until you ultimately... You're assuming hers yeah, is she's lower. She's going to be, based upon her employment history before, um, It's just she's just going to... The only the only thing show qual benefit show qualified for would be just a spousal benefit from me. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I mean, what, and the thing you got. I mean, first you run the numbers, and then you say, okay, yeah. which of these assumptions could change? Social Security is obviously one. Mm-hmm. Second is our tax structure. Like, yeah. who? What happens if? What happens if? At some point in time, our income tax is replaced with a combination of a value added tax and an income tax, national sales tax thereby lowering mm-hmm. the tax brackets across the board? Or yeah. uh, what if there's an excise tax on Roth IRA withdrawals above certain amounts? So there's lots of other Because th- what we're talking about now is what Congress in the future is going to do. Yeah. And those are, the, those are the unknowns. Right, right. Which makes, well, which makes, these, which makes these difficult. Some, these, that you can run the numbers and then you see, all right, well, if we change some of these assumptions, how's that... How's that going to work out? And then you just go forward with whatever the best guess. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a guess. Or you split the difference, and you do mm-hmm. Roth conversions. Then for you feel two good years. about both of them. Yeah, then you don't make a wrong decision. You do Roth conversions for two years, then start Social Security. And yeah. So with regard to the Roth conversions, if we can pick up there whenever you're ready, I'd like to. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, we, no, we, we're, we're recommending it. In, yeah. We're recommending it. Okay. You, the, okay. The, what we're yeah, recommending so, is that you don't start Social Security until you're 68 and okay. you do Roth conversions between now and then. Okay. So um, with regard to the Roth conversion, so I've got, um, I've got a main uh, – I think the, the recommendation here is to, for them to kind of go after a um, sizable – well, I have an IRA that's, uh, that's north of a million, maybe about 1.2 thereabouts. And so um, the – the idea they're toying with is, or, you know, we're kind of considering is whether we should look at um, maybe converting about about 300,000 in, um, into a... All in one year? You know, from, from conventional to rock. Yeah. Oh, that's a mistake. Yeah. yeah. That's, a that's a mistake. mistake? Is that what you said? Yeah, I wouldn't, I yeah. wouldn't do that well, That's a mistake. That's a mistake. Why? Well, the, the reason you're doing the Roth conversion... Why? Is so that you would lower your, your required minimum distribution at age 72. And so what you're doing mm-hmm. is if you take $300,000 in one year, now all of a sudden you've got income of $385,000 and you drove yourself right. into a higher tax bracket than whatever exists for you under the required minimum distributions. And so okay. what happens is that's a, that's a huge mistake. That's just wrong. I mean, the, way the, the, the way the tax yeah. st- structure goes, some of our income, we don't pay any tax at all because we either have a standard deduction or itemized deduction. Then there's a little bit all that's right. taxed at 10%. Then there's a bracket at mm-hmm. 12%. That's a pretty large bracket. For a married couple, it can be yeah. 100 grand or so of, 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 of taxable adjustable income. Uh, then it goes to 24%. Then it jumps right. to 32%. And what? Then if, 30 yeah. Then thirty five percent, then thirty seven percent. So, what what you don't want to do is is be in a position where you're paying tax at a thirty two percent rate when there's a high probability you'll be taxed at a twenty four percent rate 
under your required minimum distributions at age 72. And by the way, they're talking about changing those to age 75. This is what, you know, we don't know whether that's going to happen or not. So the idea by doing it before Social Security is because you're going to be in the $85,000 a year income. You can do more. Then after Social Security starts, you should look at it every year, but it then starts causing some of your Medicare That's right. benefits That's to be taxed. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. 300,000 conversion would be a massive. Well. Yeah. So, yeah. So, here's, so, here's, so right at income, a married uh, adjusted gross income, that's after either standard or IMS deduction, which they add about 25. Yeah. So it's $178,000. You're still in the 24% right. bracket. When you go above that, you go yeah. to 32% bracket. Yeah, well, so about I, if right? it were so me, uh, you're, probably you're, do like, in, your income's not going to be no, north of 200000 um in today's... Yeah, um, so you probably want to do somewhere between eighty dollars and $95,000, but you have to go through it... And run the numbers. And run the numbers. And yeah. quite frankly, if the advisor's talking about three hundred, I don't know where that came from. Maybe three hundred over the next... Few years because it pushes in the thirty-two percent bracket, which yeah. I wouldn't do at this. If you had ten million yeah, that, in your that IRA, that's it'd be a different exactly story. what it would do. It would bump me out of the twenty-four percent bracket for sure. And I think the the, the thought is there is you're going to have to you know we're going to pay the taxes um, at thirty-four percent. Yeah, there at thirty thirty-two or thirty-four percent. So using your example, but then after that, the money that's in there grows. In the rough, um, nah, that's wrong. In, in but then the you don't. But you've lost. But 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 you might be able to guarantee that you're in a 24 percent tax. All everything else being equal, going. I, I like we wouldn't. You you wouldn't voluntarily pay eight percent more in taxes, would you? I prefer not to. Yeah. That's okay. what the. Three, that's, that's what he. That's, that's, that's what they're what recommending. That yeah. That's what they're recommending. Yeah. yeah. That's a little. That's a little. Uh, a, a little more rich than I think we, we, we'd want to go with that, Michael. But that. You, you, it sounds like you got an advisor you work with and you're calling for a second opinion, which is, I think is a prudent thing to do. Uh, and hopefully that was helpful for you. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have in today's show. So glad you joined us. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.